Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's October 11th, 2019. You're listening to the greatest poker cast on the interwebs. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm the baddest hombre, Scott Long. <laughs> Hola, muchacho. Oh, oh, we bien. Oh, no, that's French. See, I, I keep mixing them. <laughs> <up. laughs> I will always fall back on Italian, so I can never learn Spanish like you're about to do. <laughs> well, I, I will not pretend that I am actually going to learn Spanish. I am making a good college try attempt to, to learn Spanish at age 47 and a half. So we'll see where it goes. But <laughs> so far, it's not been good. <laughs> see, you're already failing. It's not been bueno. Yeah, that's right, right. No bueno, no bueno. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, a lot of other no bueno stuff going on in the poker world this week. Uh, and everybody in poker is talking about it, so I guess we should do. Uh, allegations of cheating have been made against a player named Mike Postel, who is a frequent player and commentator on live stream cash games at Stan, uh, Stone's Gambling Hall near Sacramento, California. After an initial investigation in which Stone said no wrongdoing was uncovered, Poker Room has halted live streams on Twitch while an outside investigator conducts a, conducts a second investigation. And then um, the casino and Postal have been hit with a $10 million lawsuit as well. So, um, okay, so a lot to unpack here, Chris. And uh, I know I told you I was going to be brief when we talked about this offline, but I've realized there's a lot to talk about here. So yeah. a couple things I want to get, uh, I want to be sure I say, but uh, feel free to jump in at any point or feel free to take a break and eat a sandwich. Your choice, all right? Yep. All right. Uh, first thing, um, I want to be very um, clear and upfront with our, our listeners on this. Um, uh, Mike was our, I believe, our 2015 Player of the Year, right? Um, and uh, that's been coming up in a lot of um, media uh, lately. So I want to let everybody know that as far as we know, that all that was on the up and up. Um, but uh, more importantly, um, uh, you all should know that I, I consider Mike a friend. Um, and, um, you know, I, I got to know him. Um, pretty well over the last several years going out to California. I always catch up with him when I'm out there, although I don't think I saw him this summer. But um, not uh, not friends on the level of Christmas card list, but uh, but definitely a guy that I've enjoyed getting a beer with and uh, or a dinner with and, and talking about not just poker but life. So um, this has been kind of a um, pretty weird week for me because, um, you know, when I – First saw that uh, first headline on my Google feed last week. It said, you know, Stone's Gambling Hall uh, live stream cheating or whatever, right? I was like, before I clicked on it, I'm like, please don't be Mike. Please don't be Mike. Please don't be Mike. And I'm like, seven out, new shooter. I'm like, ah. Yeah. Um, so uh, so what, what I can say from the beginning, though, I will say that um, uh, what's been alleged um, against Mike um, is not the Mike Postel that I've known. Um but uh, I also watch um, 
plenty of reruns of Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack, and I know every other episode starts with uh, something like, uh, by all accounts, Chris Casenza. <laughs> Why, a perfect family man and a pillar of the community. Hey, using my name, don't throw me into the bus. Know that he was harboring a deep, dark secret. <laughs> he was a fan of the Packers. <laughs> so you know, it's very real, uh, very uh, real possibility now. But um, uh, I didn't know this guy as well as I thought I did. So, um, but but I will say, uh, I'm I'm kind of really hoping that there's going to be some kind of plausible explanation for this all that, that's going to come out that uh, right now does not look entirely possible at all but um so it's 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 kind of tough for me to, to to talk about this stuff knowing um knowing the mic that i knew um and hoping that it's still the same mic but um so um i, I think kind of where my head was with all this and you know, granted there, there's been a lot of information every day there's a whole bunch of more information that's coming out so the story has changed quite a bit in in the weekend and if you're not as up to date on it as it seems like everybody else in the world is don't worry there's plenty of stuff for you to go out there and find on the internet um from forums and videos and all kinds of stuff but um but initially when i first the first couple articles back you know, a little bit more than a week ago right um they they kept saying uh, the reasoning for him cheating was seemed to be focused on the fact that he never seems to lose, that he he makes sick reads that um, uh, no pro in the world could ever make, and if he's so good at poker at this, why is he stuck playing one three? And um, I got to say, those things didn't really sell me on this. Um, I think as a if I was a prosecutor, those are all things that I would certainly use to build my case. But there's not a murder weapon. And those three things, I don't think. Um, you know, I mean, we know players that go on heaters all the time for a week or a month or even a year. Um, so that's not a big deal. Um, and, um, you know, let, let's all raise our hands and uh, put them down if you've never been at a table where some idiot is stuck into the end with six tray and hit his gut shot straight on a board that's paired with flush out there, right? It, mm -hmm. it, let's take a quick count of everybody's hands that's still up. Uh, nope, nope, nobody's okay, fine. So we all know idiots are out there uh, like that. And um, and uh, we also know that there's a lot of players out there that um, crush your local $60, $100 tournaments in the local casino or crush that 1-3 game in the local casino. And as soon as they move up in stakes or go somewhere else, they get their ass handed to them, right? So... I don't necessarily think that you get to um, suggest that a, a player is not a talented player because he knows his limits, right? So, so none of that stuff really struck with me. I mean, what I really wanted to know from the beginning, and um, over the course of the week we've started to get all that information, was I want to know, all right, you say he's cheating, so how is he cheating? That, that was my big question. I don't know if that was your question, Chris, but um, you know, maybe it's a journalist in me. I'm like, you know, don't tell me that you think he's cheating. Tell me how it's possible that he's cheating, and then we can go from there, right? Mm -hmm. um, so our, our Annie of columnist and, and good friend Brent Philbin was the first to really kind of explain that to me. Um, and uh, Brent's done a lot of digging around on this, just as he did with the PPC um, tour collapse a couple years ago. He was the big driver of information on that, and so, because um, I'm not familiar with Twitch, I've never even watched anything on Twitch, so I don't know how this works. But so, what, what Brent explained to me is that it would be possible for someone to get the um, uh, the streaming key for the RFID cards, right? 
and you can get it a number of different ways. You could, um, you know, uh, somebody could give it to you. Um, you could see it written down somewhere. I mean, Mike was a commentator, at least in the booth in the past. So it's possible he could have seen it if somebody would have left it out there. You could have gone even as far as some, uh, using some kind of key logger to, to track it down. And once you got that key, then you could, using your mobile device, actually get the um, information of the cards there. So I'm like, all right. Now, now we've got something, right? That kind of makes sense to me. Uh, they also mentioned, you know, some kind of ear implant or something like that, uh, which uh, to me, I, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's out there, but I haven't seen any video showing some kind of earpiece in. But um, and the and the other scenario, obviously, the easy one is that somebody he doesn't have access to it, but somebody else does and is feeding him the information, either texting or messaging or whatever, right? So those are all plausible to me. All right now, now I'm like, all right, that makes sense. So now I, I think, um, we can see that. And if you, and if you look at some of the videos that Doug Polk and others have put together, where they really zoom in on this stuff, you start to see that he, Mike, spent a lot of time looking down at his, for the back of a better term, crotch, <laughs> right? Um, at presumably his phone. Um, and doing it um, while in the middle of hands, and sometimes even while pondering his action um, when the action's on him. So that's what makes it look awfully damning right now, I think. Um, so now the pieces, those pieces are coming together. Now I understand how someone could cheat, and there is, I don't want to go so far as saying evidence, but certainly stuff that suggests that that's possible here. Um, but the last thing that I'm still struggling with is um, why? <laughs> Um, you know, I, it, there are a lot of dumb poker players out there. Um, uh, my experience with Mike is he's not dumb at all. He's very smart. Now, um, we all know smart people that do dumb things, right? So, um, but it, to me, I just, I, I don't get this, Chris. And maybe help me understand this. Mm-hmm. Um, if let's say a, um, I, I was able to acquire the, um, stream key for this, right? And I was of the moral inclination to want to use that to my own benefit, which I am certainly not, right? Even if I even if I was both of those things, I don't think I could do this. Because I got to think that there's no way that someone's not going to find out you're doing this. I mean, you're sitting at a table and you're staring at your phone in the middle of a, a hand. I think eventually somebody's going to get curious, right? Mm-hmm. Um or you're going to accidentally drop your phone and someone's going to get it. You know, there's a reason that um, when you walk through an airport, I spend a lot of time in airports, right? Yeah. The reason when you walk through the airport that not every guy is looking at porn on his phone, right? And it's not because guys don't like porn. <laughs> it's because you know that no matter uh, what you're doing, somebody's going to be seeing what you're doing on your phone, right? You can't hide your phone. Um, and I'm not even saying people are nosy enough. I think just by accident, I'm like, I sit on a plane and I know what the three people in front of me are watching on their tablets. Right. I'm not being nosy. It's just right there. So, um, so I don't see any reasonable expectation that you're not going to get caught. And then if you are sure you're going to get caught, all this stuff is being video recorded. There's going to be troves of evidence that go back and dissect, which is happening right now. Um, you know, I, it, Worm's not the smartest guy in the world, right? You know, he was a mechanic during a municipal players uh, employees game, right? But can you see Worm doing this? <laughs> I can see Worm doing this. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I think Worm is going to go, hey, whoa, this is a little too much even for me. <laughs> 
So that's what I'm struggling with. But, you know, again, like I said, um, you know, it, 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 at this point, it does not look good at all um, for Mike and, and, and Stones. Um, and, you know, we'll wait and see what happens with the uh, the lawsuit and this investigation. Hopefully we get some clarity out of one or both of those. But um, I, I guess I just wanted to kind of rip a little bit because that's that's where my mind has been going over the past week. So uh, I'll shut up and see if you have anything to say. Well, one of the things you said you wanted to understand the why um, – and there, there can be a, a boatload of reasons why someone is doing this. Um, first of all, we don't know anything about Mike's current personal situation. How do we know it's not out of desperation because he's got himself into a hole where he owes people money and he's trying to do something to get money quickly? Or, you know what I mean? Now, that's just speculation. So, so when right. you're looking for a reason why, and then I'll throw out two words for you, Russ Hamilton. So right. here is a guy who was a world champion, is a fantastic poker player, does not need to cheat, does not need the God account, yet uses the God account to rip off his customers to the tune right. of millions of dollars. And he didn't need to. And you had to think someone was going to catch you because all of the hands get recorded and somehow the hands got sent out either by a whistleblower or by someone by accident. But the, all of the hands uh, histories got sent out to someone. And he got caught. Now, why does this guy, who is a very capable world champion poker player, need to take more money? What's the word? Greed. So, uh, like I said, as a journalist, we are required to say that these are alleged, you know, cheating. Uh, and so, this is alleged cheating. So, you know, when you read all of the things that people have uncovered and you watch the videos and stuff, it's very hard to see that, you know, that, that he didn't cheat. Um but again, we we don't we don't know for sure, but it seems awfully damning. The other thing too, I don't think you mentioned, and I don't know if you knew or not, but I think he was actually instrumental in setting this up. Like he, I think he had a he was one of the consultants for how to set up the video. Yeah, well, I know. Too, I mean, right? years ago, I mean, in one of our dinners, he he mentioned that he was working on something like this and wanted to know if, if we were wouldn't be involved. And at that point, it was just too early to know what he's talking about. And then we never went back to it. So. Um, so I, yeah, I, I know he was involved in something like this. I don't know whether he was actually involved in setting this up, but certainly he's been involved. I mean, he's been in the booth before. So, um, yeah. So I no, mean, but I mean, I think he was like the one who helped them actually set this, the whole thing up. Like, right. hey, let's use yeah, RFID yeah. and all that. Ah. So yeah, so if he was actually the person who knows the inner workings of it, he could have been the one who actually like literally set it up for the key and everything. And so he could just like Russ Hamilton was one of the owners of ultimate bet absolute or whatever he was and so he got the god account and you're supposed to be able to trust the people who are starting these sites and this right. is why online poker is so it's getting such a struggle to become regulated because people just can't see past the possibility of cheating and bots and things like that before they'll trust it and now you've got this you know and, and people are calling it like you know the largest cheating scandal in live poker history and it if it turns out to be true it absolutely is sure absolutely um, um yeah i'm sorry i'm just gonna say i i just keep the, the thing i get back to is it, it, unless he has some sort of you know mafia hit out on him unless he comes up with a 600 grand or some weird situation like that it just if he if he is the one cheating he's definitely cheating he's got someone helping him one or the other it could be that i mean he's just really really greedy or desperate so those are the two things that you know, and and yeah, morally, Scott. I mean, you you've held office. You're you're a 
upstanding business owner, you think differently than a lot of people. So do I. You know, some people can be a grifter and have a beer with you and you trust them and that's how you get get in you know you, sure. you know what right. I mean? so so we don't really understand what makes people tick and again we're not saying that's what mike is but if he turns out that he's like yeah i did this and everything well then he had you you know he had you fooled because in a social setting yeah, he could be a great guy but when it comes to competition or whatever maybe he just couldn't control himself i, I don't know but it's it's very damning when i read and watched all the videos that I could see and, and everything. It is very damning. Some people were speculating that when he had a hat on, that he could have something in the hat that would like, like uh, the guy from Dallas, Al, Andy Beal, you know, where he had the thing hitting his foot to give him a timer. It could be yeah. the same kind of thing where the signals are being, you know, hit to his head and stuff. And it's like, it's all way out there, like, you know. Yeah, I mean, that one came a little outlandish to me because you'd have to know the actual cards and suits and all that. I don't, I mean, again, now, you, you're, now you're really going to have to explain to me how some kind of trigger in his hat is going to give yeah, him that. Yeah, I know. I mean, I, I don't know well, it, but I mean. You it, see it on your phone. That, that makes more sense to just me. Just because but, we don't know it, though, doesn't mean it right. doesn't exist. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Absolutely. Um, but um, anyway, yeah, just I, I just, I don't know how you come back from this. Even if he's innocent, how do you come back from this? Well, no, yeah, hold that point because I want to get to that in a minute. But um, you know, you mentioned Russ Hamilton, and I think there are a couple real interesting um, corollaries between the two. Um, you know, they both, again, if this is again accurate, um, it gets back to my point. I'm like that. You, you have to think they both misjudge the um, possibility of somebody figuring it out, right? Yeah, uh, I think. And again, I'm not trying to make Russ sound better than everyone else, but I think Russ had a better expectation that he wasn't going to get caught than if somebody's like looking on a phone at cards, right? I think uh, that is, um, I, I really can't imagine the the phone thing not thinking that you're going to get caught. Where the other thing, I'm like, it really took somebody actually really digging to uncover the ultimate bet thing, right? Um, this thing could have blown up in all kinds of other ways that it hasn't yet, but it could have, right? So, um, but then the second one too is, again, if I'm the type of person that's morally open to this kind of stuff, I think I'd also be, and also an intelligent person, and I think both of these folks are intelligent. Wouldn't you tank at some point? Yeah. I mean, wouldn't you lose some hands on purpose to throw off the sense? Um, I mean, you know, I mean, you're guaranteed of winning money, right? Because you, how can you not win money if you know what everybody else at the table has, whether it's online or um, on the live stream, right? Yeah. So, I mean, at that point, I guess it gets to your point, and, and I certainly am not discounting greed. I mean, I understand why people do things, but I don't understand why people. I guess what I'm saying I don't understand is, yeah, I could steal that. Uh, a bottle of milk from the convenience store, but I also know there's a 96% chance of me getting caught, so I'm not going to do it, right? <laughs> that's right. that's what I'm getting at. Um, but in that case, I, I think uh, I you know you'll lose a couple hands here. You you play some hands optimally and lose. You, know, you let somebody else be the idiot that sticks around with six tray and and hits. Um, so because uh, that's really what ultimately. It's happened here. It wasn't what I thought might happen. That he drops the phone, or somebody sees him on the phone, or something like that. It was someone just saying, "Hey, this guy never loses." Let's start looking at it, right? So, I don't know. So, a lot of it just doesn't make any sense to me. But um, 
But again, I'm not an apologist. I hope people don't think I'm an apologist here. I just, it's just tough for me to understand all this. So, but we'll wait and see what the lawsuit says, uh, what the investigation says. But um, beyond that, though, I mean, I think you you mentioned, you know, really what this means for poker going forward, and um, and there's no way out of the fact that if that miracle ripper card comes and Mike is proven innocent here, uh, he's still done, right? Yeah. I mean. And and beyond that, um, unfortunately, regardless of how this comes down, anybody associated with Stones is going to have some sort of a stain on their resume now, right? Um, and by all counts, it doesn't seem like there were, this is widespread. I mean, there might have been one or two people helping them here. But, you know, can you imagine now going to somewhere and say, hey, I want to be host of your live stream? Oh, yeah, what did you do last? Oh, yeah, I was the live stream host for Stones. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's wholly unfortunate for those folks, right? Um, and then, you know, really the thing that really kind of got me amped up this week was uh, one of our listeners sent me the um, video of Scott Van Pelt on ESPN talking about this. Yeah. Scott Van Pelt on ESPN yeah. talking about this, right? Yeah. So here's exactly the worst scenario for us. Um is that it's bad enough that the whole poker world is talking about this, but now you put that on TV on ESPN – and and Scott Van Pelt, to his credit, um, did the right thing and kept saying, you know, hey, these are allegations. If it's true, if it's true, if it's true, right? Right. But when those people that are watching it, they don't go to their friends and say, hey, do you hear that uh, there was a guy who allegedly cheated at Stone's Gambling Hall? Right? Right. They say, hey, man, you see that guy that that cheated? Yeah. So they, they strip apart that, that journalistic part that we know that we put in. That quite honestly is, excuse my language, bullshit. We've we've known that our entire careers, right? Yeah. And and so at this point, there are millions of people, right? Maybe at least that 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 have heard this and now have a, a much 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 more negative view of poker than they did a week ago. Yeah. And when we're sitting here desperate for that next. Uh, money maker moment to to get our game back going again. This is the opposite. This is an anti money maker moment, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I just don't know how we how you come back from this now. I mean, and it's going to affect anybody doing live streams or any kind of televised poker now. Uh, even the ones that are completely on the up and up and have a lot of protection uh, integrity for this. Um, you know, you're always going to have this. We're we're in this conspiracy theory era now. And people just aren't going to trust it because of this one thing, regardless of what happens, you know. So I think that's sad. Um, but the last thing I'll say, too, I mean, the good uh, – you always try to look for the good that comes out of this, right? And I hope the good that comes out of this is that anybody that does anything online uh, streaming or televised or anything like that really takes this as an opportunity to completely top to bottom look at their operation and do whatever they can to um, – and, and, um, make sure that integrity is central. Um, you know, at the end of the day, if somebody is hell bent on cheating, they're going to find a way to cheat no matter what you do, right? But you certainly don't need to make it easy for them to cheat. And one of the first things, again, I've never watched these, right? So when I watched the first one, uh, I'm like, why does everybody at the table have phones? Yeah, that was just so shocking to me. I'm like, I, I can't imagine why you would ever allow players to use phones i'm like and i don't think you need to be told not to do that i mean i get in my car i don't need to be told to put a seatbelt on right uh i just do it because i i know i need to so 
And then, um, and I, I'm not so sure about this, but I, people have said that the the folks in the booths are, uh, are allowed to have phones as well, too. So I wouldn't have allowed that either. I mean, it just it seems like simple things like that that weren't done. Um, and hopefully, uh, in light of this, if there are other streams out there that are allowing people to do this, that um, they stop. Yeah, I mean, it's a 15 to 30 minute delay. So I guess they were assuming that what information could you use 30 minutes after hand, other than to know what the guy folded or whatever. So they do that with the H with the World Series too every year. They have it on a 15 to 30 minute delay for the final table, and so right. And- We've talked about this though. I mean, but even that, you know, um, you know, I don't see anybody at the World Series of Poker with their phones, right? I, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I. I could be wrong, but I, I don't see folks with phones when they're on the the final tables. Um, so you're right. So after 30 minutes, you get up during a break, and then your buddies that are in the audience who are watching this will tell you everything you happened, right? So right. it's that. But when you have your phone present, now this possibility exists of actually getting it right away, right? So that it's a little bit different, I think. Um, you know, I think we've had to accept as poker players – um, that the fact that, that televised poker and live stream is good for the game and therefore the 30-minute delay, even if you're able to get information 30 minutes, that that's a, an acceptable downside for the tremendous upside, right? Yeah. But I don't think an acceptable downside is letting somebody use their phone, and particularly in the middle of a hand. I, I, that That's just that, that's a step too far for me. So I really hope that, uh, that, that ends everywhere uh, because of this, and we find a way out. But... Um, Right now, I don't I don't see anybody in this finding a good way out, and that makes me very sad. Yeah. All right, any updates? The annual poker tour next visits Gila River Hotels and Casinos Wild Horse Pass near Phoenix, November 11th to the 16th. Gila River Hotels and Casinos Viquiva near Phoenix in March of 2020. The Antioch World Championship at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California, July of 2020. And Gila River Hotels and Casinos Wild Horse Pass near Phoenix, November 2020. So, got a few more events still coming up. We have four upcoming Antioch Poker Cruises, and definitely call as soon as possible if you want to join us for the Halloween cruise. It's still possible, Scott. Can they really still get on the ship? Is that I don't, I don't know. But I don't I think you can. Uh, I'm very excited about this cruise. We are nearing 100 <laughs> passengers for this. Um, and a couple podcast listeners are, gonna, are already on board and have told me they're coming, and some are regulars. So, if there's any chance for you to get on, you can get on this cruise and come. Uh, I think this is one you're not going to want to miss. So, All right. so yeah, you can, you can try calling us. But... And find out whether it is possible. <laughs> uh, next year, we have a, uh, a short Easter sailing to Cozumel, a 15-night transatlantic from Tampa to Amsterdam, with stops in Bermuda, the Azores, and Ireland. And a seven-night Western Caribbean sailing from Galveston, Texas. For all details, visit AntiopCruises.com. Each week, uh, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast.antiopmagazine.com. And if they haven't some, won something from us in the past year, just like we do a call to four in hand of the week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is set up with J-Design Playing Cards, the official playing cards of Antioch Poker Cruises, available at classicplayingcards.com. Comes from Brian Dangermong. Uh, he says, uh, I'm at my local casino poker room, a uh, regular nine-handed table. As with a lot of poker rooms these days, they have a lot of progressive payoffs. I'm on the button and look down at Black Kings. Five limpers ahead, so I make it $15 to go, but it probably should have been 20 The small blind calls and everyone else folds. The flop was three of spades, five of diamonds, six of diamonds. He checked, and I made it 30 bucks. All of a sudden, he's all in for 95 
I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it before calling. I sort of talked myself into believing he was drawing to a nut flush. After calling, I found my senses and assumed I was up against a set. To my surprise, he turned over four diamonds, seven of diamonds, so he flopped a straight, and my hand didn't improve. I was a little disgusted that I couldn't push a 7-4 out of the small blind with my raise when a player I have known for a while leaned over and said, you know what just happened there. I admitted that I was confused, and he expressed the opinion that I had been a victim of someone hanging on with suited connectors hoping to hit the progressive bonus. It never even dawned on me to consider the bonus payouts of the casino when trying to put a player on a hand. Once I thought about it, I realized there are a lot more factors that might require consideration. It dawned on me that there might be a lot I'm not thinking about when I play. Yeah, I think um, this happens a lot, especially in the low-level games. Um, you know, they attract the folks that are there more to, to play uh, bingo than poker, right? Yep. And try to hit these things. So uh, my advice to Brian and um, everybody listening is... Anytime I sit down at the table, even if it's a regular room that I go to, um, need to get in the practice of asking the dealer, hey, are there any promotions going on right now? Because um, there's so many these days at so many casinos, and they change every day, and they change almost every hour in some rooms, right? So, right. you know, from 8 to noon, it might be aces cracked. From noon to 4, it might be something else. So um, don't, don't assume you know uh, what's going on. Um, and the advantages of that, of that one is, is not only to help you with this situation. So you, now you're like, okay, I know what hands people might be trying to play to hit that are not, not optimal for them to normally play in that situation, but also for you to know what they are. Um, I think I mentioned this on the show. I threw away a hundred dollars at uh, any a poker tour event because I didn't know they had an aces crack promotion going on and I mocked my hand instead of tabling it. Yeah, so yep. had I asked, um, the dealer should have told me, or I would expect would have told me, hey, oh yeah, there's a, if you get aces cracked, you get a hundred bucks, and then I would have known that, and I would have very happily turned it over, um, and, and both in the sense of being able to turn it over so you get paid, but also understanding the play. We, we I think we had a letter not too long ago about trying to figure out, or maybe it's coming up in a future show, I'm not sure which, about. The optimal play when uh, there's an aces crack promotion, right? Because you know if you get your aces cracked, you get a hundred dollars. But if you win the hand, you might only win sixty, right? Yeah. So you might play differently because of that to to try to figure out the maximum value. So um, I, I know it sounds kind of, of crazy and stupid and elementary and juvenileish, but uh, this every time you sit down and go, "Hey, dealer, what are the promotions now?" Um, but I, I think it it would be really helpful to your game to do that. Um, and, and really, if you think about this, too, it actually might make you look like you are a target, an easy target, right, if you're asking for promotions, because now people probably think you're playing for promotions, when really you're there to play poker. So you, you might get some uh, people playing at you differently. Uh, it might actually be good for your um, persona at the table. Yeah, there are a couple things I'll say about this. Uh, one, you know, it, it's tough to... I would not go into every hand thinking, oh, this guy could possibly be playing. And then you, all you're going to do is, when you see the flop, you're going to start thinking about the possible connectors that make this right. person get the progressive or whatever. the. So it's going to change your game, but not in a good way, too. So it's more of a being cognizant of it rather than, you know, than just always having it at the front of your mind. Uh, the other thing I would say is, like, the, there's a hard place to to be when you're playing one two and you're not good enough to play two five because or five ten because maybe at those levels either the the 
the promos aren't even available to those games, or you know th- th- those players could still be playing that way, but generally you're going to find this type of play in a 1-2 game, so maybe you find a sweet spot where you play a 1-3 game or you play a 2-5 th- game and you don't see that happening or, or whatever. And then if you can't afford that, then maybe you make a better raise here. Let's face it, when you're playing, if this is a 1-2 game, generally people coming out of the box with a raise is going to be 10 to 12 or 15 already. You've got right. five limpers ahead of you. You said probably should be 20. I'm thinking 25 maybe because let's say it's a 1-3 game and they all limp. Yeah. Right. That's fifteen dollars on top of the normal raise that you'd make, which is normally in a one three game is ten to fifteen. So you're looking at making it twenty five or thirty to go here to to thin that field. Now it did work. It thinned the field, but still this one guy's thinking, you know, and this will happen at every level where one person will think because if even if you get out of the habit of of playing in these smaller games and you get into a larger game, you're still going to have players who are who are just better than you, who can outplay you, so they'll still play hands like 7-4. And they'll be playing it to just outplay you, and then all of a sudden, boom, they'll hit 3-5-6 on a flop, and now they've flopped the nut flush on you or, or nut straight or whatever, and you're like, man, how can I how can I beat this game if I got guys playing in 5-10 with me who are playing 7-4 off? Well, <laughs> right. it's because they're they're trying to outplay you, and they just happen to get a fortuitous flop. So... It's hard to find that sweet spot, but generally I would still – I think your biggest mistake here was actually not just playing poker the way you should be playing it, and that was to make a much bigger raise there with your kings to get most of that field thinned. Um, but you're right. You should know what the promotions are when you're playing so that you can not only take advantage of them yourself but find out if these people are doing it and watch their play. It, it's tough. It's a tough thing to – it's a lesson yeah. you learn. But uh, And I'll say, I mean uh, – uh, to Brian's point here, um, I, there's no way you're ever going to put a player on four seven here. Um, right. You just aren't. So, so to be results oriented on this one particular hand, you can't knock yourself uh, for that. I mean, obviously, you can't knock yourself for not making it a bigger raise and maybe getting that hand out. But, um, but even if you know the promotions going on and what types of hands are going to play, um, seven four is a real stretch here. I think yeah, yeah. to uh, to call a fifteen dollar bet. So. Um, uh, I think it's probably more to your point that you, you don't want to go this far down the rabbit hole on putting players on hands because most players are not going to be this this stupid in, in face of a promotion. Now, they may be uh, more likely to play pocket pairs. They may be more likely to play true suited connectors. And that, this is a three-gapper here, right? So, right. Um, so don't get too too far down that rabbit hole uh, on this. But, uh, but definitely be aware. you got to be aware. Yeah. We're going to complete O'Malley's move now. Here comes part one, and we'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week, we're back at one of our regular home games playing 1-2. We've been playing for two hours and have a stack of 275. We're up 75. The blinds post, an MP limps, another MP limps, and we look down in the hijack at the Queen of Hearts, Queen of Clubs. The standard raise in this game is 4x, but with two limpers, we make it $12 to go. The MP calls, but everybody else folds. The MP is a loose player, but is mostly passive. He'll play almost anything and really only comes alive when he has something. He busted out and rebought right before this hand. There's $29 in the pot, and the flop is the Ace of Hearts, Eight of Hearts, Trey of Hearts. 
Not a bad flop. I'm not all that concerned about the ace, and we have the second nut flush draw. The MP checks to us, and we make it $20 to go, leaving us $243 behind. The MP calls with $168 behind, after a little hesitation. There's $69 in the pot, and the turn is the jack of hearts. Once again, the MP checks. I think we're good here. We're going to put out a value bet. We make it $35 to go. The MP thinks for a short time and calls. The pot is 135 and the river is the four of hearts. The MP comes alive and makes it $75 to go. This only leaves him with 58 behind. So, is he sending a message here? Trying to get us to fold? Did he just lose count of his stack? What's the move? Oh, easy call for me. Uh, I'm tempted to raise, knowing there's only uh, that one hand that has this beat, uh, but that one hand is, is really too likely for me to attempt fate. Uh, I'm certainly happy with the pod at this side, and I want to minimize the downside uh, if he does have that king. Yeah, it's a call for me, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if the king of hearts is shown. So, all right, here's part two. Hello again. It is entirely possible we are beat here, but it's also possible he's hoping the board will intimidate us, or that he has a weaker flush. I don't like it, but I think we have to call. Our opponent announces king and turns over the king of hearts, ten of spades. Gross. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes any two cards can win the pot, but don't count on it. I hope to see you on the felt. All right, I think folding there would have been uh, way too tight. And uh, folks, if Scott Long is saying a fold there is too tight, it's Tupperware sealed tight. So. <laughs> Really surprised that O'Malley was even considering that. Yeah. that. That's something that I would consider, and I didn't even consider it here. So. Yeah, that sucks. Uh, it's not totally unexpected. I mean, I even said it before the, the conclusion that, you know, it's it's possible. Um, but at least we called and didn't raise. Uh, of course, would we have been in this spot had we raised more preflop? Again, with back-to-back hands here, we're talking about raising preflop more. $12 on a 1-2 game with two limpers seems light. Just like earlier, it was... You know, $15 raise of five limpers, and we didn't think it was enough. So I, I just wonder if it should have been more. I know it's a home game, and he knows his game better than, than people would know people in a casino, but generally you're making it 10 to 12 anyway with a raise in a 1-2 yeah. game. So with two yeah, more limpers. I, I think this is a problem we see over and over, in my opinion, that folks, when they get these queens, kings, aces, they're so desperate to get value out of that hand that they invite more danger than they should. Um. I mean, here I, I'm easily raising the twenty with this at this point, and because my goal is to get heads up. My yeah. goal is not to be three-handed. Yeah. <laughs> my goal is to get heads up, right? Yeah. And be able to play. I'll play one person. And I think the reason people don't raise that much is they're afraid that everybody's going to fold and they're going to pick up the five or six bucks or whatever there is there and feel like they they wasted. But you got to think of it the other way that. If you invite people in and at the end of the hand you lose like we did here, what's what's the better scenario? Winning five dollars or losing a hundred? Yeah, so yeah. I think you gotta really start folks, you really gotta start when you have these limpers in here, you start really sizing those bets up with these big hands and, and your goal should be to get heads up, not to keep people in with a twelve hour race. So uh, agreed. All right, it's time for the Vans Poker Training.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at Annie at magazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Matt Hayward is back, Chris. Matty. 
Uh, this is this is a situation, but you never I never know whether it's actually a situation or not. So we'll treat it like a hand until we realize it's a situation. Okay. All right. First of all, he wants to congratulate me for my recent win at Thunder Valley. Well, thank you, Matt. That's very nice. <laughs> so long ago. Uh, <laughs> he says I really uh, I've recently been getting back into online poker and had this following hand come up. Um, so he says it's uh, six handed and we are under the gun with two dollars and seventy three cents. And it's a two cent, five cent no limit Texas Hold'em game, and we have eight, nine of clubs. Uh, okay. Uh, the promotions going on? Did you ask? <laughs> That's right. What's going on with that? Uh, it's tough for me. I mean, again, we're talking about Texas Hold'em, and a lot of times with Texas Hold'em, we're playing the people and not the cards. Um, but generally, when you're playing these micro limits online you really are just playing the cards um and i think you did you say it was six handed uh six handed yes so i mean okay so you can move the the order of things of three or four spots ahead and say you can have a, a weaker hand here to raise with under the gun but you know if i'm gonna play the hand i'm probably raising it so i can disguise what i'm having and stuff but a lot of times i'm just i don't know what i'm doing with this hand i i uh, I, I mean, I think you have to. I think if you're going to enter the pot first, I think you have to raise with it just to make them think that you have a hand that's you know can hit any flop or whatever. So I don't mind a raise here. Um, I mean, I don't know what you'd raise uh, back in the day when I played two five cents <laughs> when I tried it. I mean, if people were making it a quarter, so I mean, I, I really don't know what you'd make it here. But if you've been playing for a while, whatever the standard raise is, I'd probably make that. Um, if it's regular, it's fifteen cents, you know, or three x. But maybe I make it three x. I don't know. Maybe I limp. But generally, when I'm entering a pot first under the gun, I'm I'm raising. Um, so I don't know. If we're gonna play this hand, I guess we'll raise. Yeah, I think uh, how you play this hand depends on what your goal is at the table. So back um, when I played online, I I was almost always multi tabling. Um, you know, not crazy like twelve tables like these savants do but right. <laughs> at least two or three is sometimes four and if that's the case there's absolutely no reason for me to play this hand because i'm gonna have a a stronger possibility on one of my other screens right so i mean eight nine of clubs is not a great hand under the gun even six handed so in a cash game and tournaments different you got to play some of those things in a cash game you can easily just fold that and focus on your really good hand so now that being said if you're trying to play good poker and you're not uh maybe you're not multi-tabling um there is uh i think you have to every once in a while raise with this hand in this situation um just in case people are paying attention so they know that you're not just playing good cards and good spots right so um and i've said it before on the show and i'll keep saying it i love suited connectors for getting you out of your comfort zone because you have so many options um with that flop on where to go you know you flop your straight or straight draw you flop your clubs or club draw or because you're raising under the gun you can represent ace king all kinds of other cards right so um if that's how you want to play it that's great but you definitely have to raise you have to make people feel that you have aces kings queens ace king ace queen something like that right something yeah. good and then carry that through the hand so um definitely raising and you're right. I don't remember what the raises were back then. I, I got a little crazy, you know, when you're, it's, you're talking nickels and pennies. <laughs> so 
it seemed to me I would probably go 25 cents here just because that's what seems like makes sense. But, you know, if people aren't doing that much, then just do the standard race. So, yeah. All right. Our hero says uh, I can see two options here, bet or fold. Um, the hand is not super strong, but it has options. And I think it's also a good spot to vary my play. Yeah, there we go. That's what we're talking about. Yep. Uh, so it raises to 10 cents, Chris. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I mean, it, first of all, you're just min-raising it, so you're not really... There, I, think, I think when you're when you're putting money in, there has to be a reason for it. Raising it to 10 is just a min-raise. There's going to be no effect from that at all. I mean, you might get people to fold just because they're going to fold in it, but they would have folded to just calling the small blind. It's not, you know, 10 cents is not going to dissuade them from calling right? if if they have, you know. So there has to be a reason to raise. And Mike, in this case, min raising is not giving you any advantage here at all. Um, you, you might get people to fold uh, again, but they'll just fold because they were going to fold anyway, and you're not going to dissuade someone from calling if they were going to call anyway. So five more cents, yeah, it might make a bigger pot. And for you with connectors, you'd like to have more money to draw to, but you're basically, unless you get the blinds, you're going to be, you know, out of position anyway. So it doesn't really help your your situation. I I, I don't like that either. Limp, if you're going to play the hand anyway, and then then you keep them guessing, they have no idea, um, or make it a decent raise, so they they think you're on the high end of the hand. And then when you hit the low end, then you can really surprise them. But a ten cent raise is is nothing to me. So I, I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I think you're right. The only the only upside of this is if you're just trying to build a pot, so you you hit your clubs or straights, and then now the pot's a little bit bigger. That's that's really the only advantage here because you're not driving anybody out. You're just getting people to put an extra nickel in uh, if they come in. So um, doesn't doesn't seem to be serving any purpose. So mm-hmm. all right, he says uh, both a player in the middle position with four dollars and fifty three cents, and the big blind with five dollars. Uh, both call, so both players have us covered. Uh, everybody else folds. Flop comes the seven of diamonds, jack of diamonds, ten of hearts. The big blind checks to us. Yeah, this is this is a great uh, flop for us, obviously, but it's still very wet, and we have we have a straight. But any card could come to give someone a bigger straight for us. Um, you know, if a a queen comes, a king comes, an ace comes, we don't have the nuts anymore. Not not that we have the I guess we have the nuts now, but um, I, I would I would still bet here. Um, first, I don't know if anyone's going to put us on that hand because we raised preflop. So yeah, this is exactly the reason we bet. Yeah. yeah, and then the other thing is that you know they could put you on an over pair and they could have flopped two pair and they're going to want to get it in with you, thinking that their two pair are good or their top pair is good. And you only had ace king, or there's a lot of reasons to bet here, and I I would not try to pull them in. I'd still want to try to get some money out there and push them out with this wet board. So um, I would make a almost a pot size bet if not that maybe a pot size bet to me this is almost a dream scenario I mean, the only thing that could be dreamier maybe is that the jack and the seven are clubs instead of diamonds right so yeah um i mean so this is why i advocate mixing it up under the gun every once in a while because if you hit a hand like this so strong right you flop the pop the straight um, no one's going to put you on the eight nine. Now, when you bet, it's going to look like that normal C bet, and then you've got a very good possibility of somebody raising you um, with a jack or even a ten, maybe right. Right. Um, and that's what I want. So now I don't want them to believe I hit this, and then um, you get more money in. So, and then likewise, had this been an ace high flop, we could have bet the same way and probably got people to fold. So, 
definitely have to bet here. I'm not checking. I, you know, again, I think sometimes people will check here because they, 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 you know, they want to bring people in, but you, you're forgetting that people, um, and the most recent news story, notwithstanding, don't know what you have in your hands. Right, right. So, um, you know, uh, by betting here, it, it clearly to most players, they're going to assume that you missed this and you were making a C bet, and that's why you have to bet. So, all right, um, let's see. Uh, here it says fairly wet board, uh, but I currently have the nuts. I bet twenty three cents, which is three fourths of the pot. Yeah, I mean that, that's fine. I mean, you, you just got to put something out there. You can't just check it and like, because it's also suspicious that you raised and now you didn't bet. So yeah, um, yeah, that's about right. I, I don't mind that bet at all. Yeah, again, I don't know if it's the micro limits that really got me wanting to bet more. I mean, I probably would have gone the full pot at thirty cents, but you know, uh, I mean, really, the way we used to analyze these hands, I think, where we're thinking of the pennies as dollars, right? Yeah, so exactly. We're in a two-five game. Um, and uh, pot, pot was thirty dollars. Pot's thirty bucks. You know what do you do now? I think I'm still betting thirty. I mean, again, because remember what what the story we're trying to tell here. I think the story we're trying to tell here is we have ace king and miss this. And if we have ace king, we have a gut shot or something like that, right? So um, the more we bet, the more it it sells that story. I think right that we're really trying to drive you out of this pot because we have nothing. So yeah. yeah. I think that, that that extra five bucks or seven bucks in this case actually helps us um, sell that story. But, you know, 23 is not bad either. I mean, if you're like half the pot, then I think you're way under betting this. So three-fourths of full pot I think is perfect. So, all right, let's see what happens. Um, the middle position player raises to 73 cents, and the big blind jams for 490 back to us. Ka-ching! Yep, this is what we wanted. It's what we wanted. I'm not going anywhere. Call it all in, baby. Yeah, that's what I hear it does. So does the other player. Uh, one has 10 five of diamonds for middle pair with the flush draw, and the big blind has jack 10 of clubs for top two pair. Turn and river bring bricks, and my straight holds up. Um, he says, after previously submitting losing hand of the week, hands my first win. <laughs> um, so we had a couple questions. Let's see what, uh, what we haven't already discussed. Uh, question number one. At what point would the size of your stack prevent you encourage encourage the raising of eight nine suited? Um, yeah, certainly. If I'm I'm short stacked, I'm not. I I'm going to pass on the raise for this. You know, I think this is the hand I want to play deep, so I can really get paid off with it. Otherwise, I need to hold those um, those chips for some place where they're going to be um, like actually not chips here, they're extra cash, right? Where they're going to be more beneficial to me um, is what I would say, I guess. So, yeah, I mean, uh, if it's a tournament, you you might be shoving with that hand because you you're going to be in right. the blinds the next hand or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I think that's very not in the blinds. No, I'm sorry, you're the button. Where are uh, we now? We're, I, we're under the gun. Okay, so yeah, I mean, I don't I don't know. I I, I think that's still an eight nine suited is is a if you're short stacked is a hand I might consider shoving with just because they're suited connectors and you're the first one to enter a pot with it so they have to have a hand to call you that kind of thing but I I don't know if the size of the, I mean it, yeah I guess if I if I'm getting uh, a lot of wounds here and there and my stack is shriveled down sometimes I'm desperate and I play every hand to try to get back and that's the wrong way to play so you yeah you, you might you might consider not playing this hand or raising with this hand when you're when you're, you know, licking your wounds and and your stack is suffering, but generally, I don't really think like but that. Yeah, I yeah, um, two seventy three here. So, 
Yeah, yeah. two fives. Yeah, you got plenty of money. 50, 70 big blinds there. I'm, yeah, and I, I'm not to the point yet where I'm not going to play this hand. So yeah. Um. All right. So it uh, was 50, uh, 50 big blinds deep here, and I thought that was fine. Anything around fifteen to thirty big blinds would discourage me, since my stack would be too short. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's probably a good Mendoza line in thirty big blinds. Yeah. To, to not get out of line. Um. And definitely a fifteen big blinds. <laughs> I'm definitely not getting out of mine. Uh, all right, question number two. He says the game I was playing was one of the turbo. Uh, he said, for example, uh, I.E. Zuma and PokerStars version, where as soon as you folded, the hand finished, you got moved. Additionally, you don't actually see player names or displays. Each player is only known by the seat they occupy, seat one, seat two, uh, seat five. Since that makes it impossible to collect player notes, how much should you vary your starting range, bet sizing, and post-flop play? As A, you can't tailor your player to opponents since you don't know who they are, and B, your opponents will never know who you are. Yeah, in that game, I'm never playing this here. I mean, why? Just fold yeah. right away, move to a table, and, and you know, get a, a good hand in a good position, and get, just keep folding until you get to that point, right? Yeah, uh, I, I pause to bring up Phil Ivey's name on this show, but um, he uh, he used to advocate for playing um, micro limits like this and trying to win every hand just to to get better at playing poker. So for that scenario, if that's what you're trying to do, if you're if you just if the money doesn't mean anything to you because it's two dollars, and you, you're three dollars or five dollars, whatever you bought in for, and you're just you're trying to get better at every situation that could come up in your game, then I can advocate playing this hand and trying to win it. Other than that, yeah, I'm folding pretty much every hand when I when I played that Zoom, I folded pretty much every hand, unless it was a pocket pair or Ace King or you know or something. Yeah, I'd say that's my strategy in Zoom is yeah. pocket pairs only and maybe those really big Broadway cards, but that's it. Yeah, I mean, me too. That was it. But again, if you're just trying to long, if you're just trying to see situations in hands for a cheap price, then yeah, I would consider playing eight nine and just trying to outplay the table at that at that game or whatever. But in this case, if you're legitimately trying to build a bankroll and you don't want to just waste money or you don't want to, then that's you know that's something to consider folding but if it's if it's nothing to you two dollars is nothing to you and you're really trying to learn every situation possible for yourself then yeah i'd i'd still play this hand but other than that well i think that's why it's really important to understand these variations uh, in games and what they mean so you know take everything that we've learned about poker up to this point and how much of it is about reading players right how much of it is paying attention and understanding players tendencies um how much of it is about you know uh, throwing people off the scent of your tendencies, right? Mm-hmm. And in this scenario, none of that matters. Right, right. It's all gone. So all the things that we've been programmed to do to to address all those things do not exist here. So if you're doing them here, um, you ha- I think you have to ask yourself why. Um, um, now you made a good point about you know practicing different scenarios, but that that's a different story. But you know you're you're not getting people, you're not setting people up. To make a take advantage of them later on in this, um, right, right. so really, this to me is a much more mathematical game where you're just playing optimal um, situations and folding suboptimal ones as quickly as you can, so you can get more optimal ones in your session. So uh, that's why I would I would always fold eight nine here and in this scenario and just wait for a better spot. I never really liked that Zoom either. There was something about it. I know you're going to make a point, but I just... No, no, go ahead. There was just... There's something about... It It doesn't feel like poker to me anymore. It feels like... Oh, it's not at all. It's yeah. not at all, I don't think. 
So, yeah, I, I just don't like it. I don't. I, don't I mean, know. now it's a scenario where you can actually really, if you get good at it, you can. It can be a good profit center for you. So, I mean, I'm not telling people not to play it. Um, you know, there's a way to play it properly, and and and, and this is a situation. If you got a bunch of people playing eight nine suited under the gun. And you're playing it, in my opinion, optimally. You're going to make a lot of money at this game, right? Yeah. So, if and money is a a good indication, uh, I mean, a good reason to be playing this, right? So, but the downside is that the more you play this game, and the more you play it that way, when you go play real poker somewhere else, you're going to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, you're going to fall asleep. But now, now you get farther and farther away from proper poker playing that it may be hard for you to get back in that mindset when you're actually at a real live table um, where you have to do all this thing we talked about, about paying attention to other players and what they're doing uh, for you. So that's always the danger, I think, in, in these kind of carnival kind of things, that it's easy to make some money at it, but it's also really easy to degrade your poker skills playing them. So. Right. All right. Well, Sky, enjoy your Spanish lessons. I, I, yeah, I expect you to have the uh, do the entire intro next week in Spanish. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the tables. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise... Send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.